Welcome to Hire, everybody. Oh, welcome back to Hire, the podcast where we help you reach higher in your career and learn with and from experts in recruitment, entrepreneurship, marketing, and so many more about what it takes to become a leader in your dream industry. Well, first, Tom Zanzo, hit that funky beat. Tom? Tom! Ugh, what now? Guess what? What? No, I mean guesses. Oh, fine. Uh, lottery win. Do I look like I'm draped in fine silk? Um, did you do something to your hair? I might do something to you in a second. <laughs> did you bring us a most sensational and utterly brilliant guest to chat with to uncover her career secrets and show everybody how it's done? Bingo, of course I did. Today on the show with us is an old acquaintance of mine, one I've had the great pleasure of reanimating thanks to hire. Nicola De Beer, Managing Director at Field Management Ireland. That one, Nix has kindly agreed to read us a page or two from her book of a career secret. Mentorship. Career mobility. What to do when feeling stuck. And so much more. Right, I can't wait any longer. Let's go get it. We've got Nicola in the building. Oh, yes. Yes, I'm so excited. Thanks, Nick, for joining um, the call today. Just, you know, we've given the audience a little bit of information about your background and who you are. But in your own words, give us your elevator pitch. Normally, we choose a particular building um, to go up as to give you a reference for the time that you have to do this. But uh, last, um, um, we had recorded a guest just now that said, I'd rather do it in a bungalow. So more so horizontal. (laughs) So (laughs) really elevator pitch up to wherever you please. Okay, great. Well, I'm just going to stay where we are in Dublin and give you a, a quick update on what we do. Our business is a marketing management business where we run big outsource sales, sampling, demonstrations, merchandising teams. And it's all about gathering data and insights for the big brands that we work on. And the main focus is obviously all the people that we work with and we develop for them. And what about you, Nick? Well, me, I'm just super fabulous, obviously. <laughs> you know. um, I mean, my my story is really, I, I'm just a person who loves working with people and um, working with big brands to help them convert sales and really build, build their brand awareness. And that's my passion. My passion is all around people and, you know, helping them achieve really their goals. That's what I love. Oh, I love that, Nick. And look, we always do this at the start of our show. We tell our audience that you're going to save your most prized tips for the end of the show. So can you please do that? Obviously, you can say some during, but make sure that you have three at the end so people can go away with directly after this show and, and start work on themselves. Awesome. How about that? Will do. Cool. Yeah, love it. We also start with some myth busting. So mm. we've asked all our guests this question this month, kind of the same pretty silly question. Agency, marketing, fame, glory, fancy cars, power. That's what the career in agency is all about. Or is it? 
Um, it isn't really. <laughs> I think that's the, <laughs> that's the, the mis- myth. Um, I think very much we're, um, you know, the problem solvers, the people who are the ones who solve client issues and, and are the ones running around in the background. So a bit like a swan, you know, it looks super fabulous, but underneath we paddling manically um, <laughs> and hopefully you never see any of that. I love that. <laughs> Which is when you know that the uh, agency is doing their job well, uh-huh. right? It's exactly. effortless yet impactful. Effortless, yeah. Um, f- lovely. So here's myth number two. Um, we hear the endless talk of you know digital everything, right? So social media, Facebook ads, YouTube ads, mm. Google Display and keyword ads, influencers. But you work with data and in data. So I can't imagine that you know what we think um, digital is, is all there is to it. What else? No, I mean... I, I, to be honest, I think it's all about understanding that customer journey and you just have to be wherever they are. And really, that's the story. So whether your customer is in a digital space, whether they're in um, physical space, it is about trying to be where they are. And I think that's really the the myth around, you know, as you said, there's this constant world around all, all being social. It is social, but it is social and integrating that into where a consumer is in their everyday life. So trying to be at those relevant touch points and be relevant to them and be available to them when they choose the channel that they want to operate in. Mm. I think Mark Ritson, who is a professor at some marketing school, I think in Melbourne, he gave a very slanderous talk about this topic of people now calling themselves digital marketeers. Mm-hmm. And he's saying, yes. no, it's the same foundation. It's the same ethos. You just have an additional channel aside from media outlets and, you know, conventional newspaper ads. You just mm-hmm. it's it's just the platform much rather than that skill set. So stop calling yourself digital marketeers. <laughs> <in this period. laughs> totally. It's a bit like everything. I think you go, mm-hmm. or there's always fads and phases coming in like anything. You took at health as well. There's diets and then it always goes back to just the basics the foundations yeah. right just so, move exactly mm. Mm. so we want to get a little bit more into working in agencies and this is our yes. next part and career journeys so let's take it from the top nix give us your 411 on your journey into agency land um yeah. and what it's what it is you actually do now Yes. So uh, when I started, I didn't start an agency. I sort of started in a sales career, um, dealing and interacting with customers. And um, it was really an evolution of how I ended up in agency, I think. Um, I realized very early on that I was very good with people and whether that was selling to them or interacting with them or managing teams. And I think that evolution led me into the agency world, really. Um, And when I then moved, you know, between the UK and Ireland working in agencies um, and then started in in this company in FMI in 2006. And I started as an account manager. And really, when I started here, this was very much a retail focused business. Um, and they didn't really do much selling or anything that I did. So I sort of started with a portfolio of zero and, you know, was told like, OK, you know, let's see how that make it work. Um, and so just sort of threw myself into it um, and then moved up through the ranks to senior manager and to, you know, account director and then eventually to MD, which is the role that I currently have. Um, and yeah, you know, I mean, my my role within the business here is really supporting the clients in their strategic journey and, uh, you know, ensuring that the operational execution of all the campaigns that we deliver for them delivers, you know, all the KPIs and SLAs that we have and, 
you know, manage that relationship really. So across this journey, you said that sales was a very instrumental um, part of your also client facing mm. um, mm. abilities and uh, your, yes. your way in which to service the client. Can we dive into that a little bit deeper? How would you say um, that sales has been that sort of connective transferable skill from which you have developed and sprung others and eventually also you know climbed the ladder within um, within the organization that you're at right now and what does it mean to actually be in a client-facing position you know what makes a good agency lead even an account manager for a client that the client will say oh i just love working with that person it is so easy mm. i think it's all about relationships And it's really the fundamentals of everything, I believe. It's, you know, being able to connect with people ultimately and obviously being good at your job in terms of, you know, being able to deliver and, you know, do what you say you're going to do. But relationships are key and um, forging those relationships are essential, especially it's easy to have a great relationship in the good times, you know, because it's great and everyone's having a ball. But it's when things get really tough when you have to pick up that phone and make that phone call. And sometimes people shy away from that. You know, they, they place an email, they, use, they don't communicate in the way that essentially builds trust. And I think that's essentially what makes people very good at client service is building honest, open relationships, which can be hard, but that's where it comes, you know, that's what it comes down to, I think. It's worth, it's something worth investing time into, and it can be a bit mm. tricky, right? When you're sort of in the in the tug and pull um, of your day to day life, you have to deliver. You've got internal mandates, you've got external mm -hmm. mandates, but in order there will be turbulence in any career and in any relationship. So investing the time early on. Um, to have that relationship be built on trust, that it can weather the storm. I think that's mm -hmm. quite important. I used to, I was, I remember this um, very distinctly. I was, uh, my oldest friend, my oldest friend, I'd met him when I was three years old. We traveled mm -hmm. through Australia together, but we had only ever met in the good times. Mm -hmm. And so then suddenly you're stuck in a car together and it's raining <laughs> and there's hail and there's cows everywhere. There's sort of a kangaroo flying over the horizon and you're thinking, Ooh. and we were on a two month journey. And about a month in, I realized this relationship has never been stress tested and under duress, yes. mm -hmm. it is Just it, we didn't have the tools. It was complete disaster. I've barely spoken to the man since. So um, very, very. So if you're listening, yes. Yeah, so if you're listening, get in touch. Nicholas from Kiel. I still Give love us a you. Call. Okay. I love how you brought up. Uh, we're going to go into education now, but I love how you brought up the phone call because mm. it's so like in the corporate world now. It's like all email, even message now on Teams. It's like just pick up the phone. It's so much easier, mm. and the relationship is different. And mm. like you said, you can mm. have that, and it doesn't sound because emails can sound bad as well right or people can take them the wrong way so i think it's a really important point nix thanks for bringing that one up um education we want to go into a little bit you studied industrial psychology before mm. moving to a widely successful career um in agencies now you've already kind of ans answered that it, it happened a little bit by accident you got you kind of found yourself in an agency but are there still parts of your formal education that help you to do your job today yeah i mean i think You know, industrial psychology is just a psychology of the workplace and people. And obviously, you know, our business is all about people. So mm -hmm. I think it's always sort of shaped my direction. Um, but I think it's it's about how you interact. And I think the formal education, what what it what it's given me and I still use today is that diligence 
to work through things, you know, um, complicated projects, the flexibility that you needed in your approach to projects. And I think those are the kind of things that the sort of formal education potentially has drilled into me um, Mm -hmm. and stuff that I use day to day. Super. So we speak about this formal education question mm-hmm. quite a bit mm-hmm. because so for in, in my case, for instance, I beeline from what my formal education was straight into corporate. So background yeah. sustainability, it was much more um, research and um, culture driven into something that was mm-hmm. marketing and uh, sales as my first position, mm-hmm. my first job. But I agree with you. Interestingly, what worked out was not so much the knowledge that I had acquired at university, but it was the soft skills that I mm-hmm. came out um, out of with. Because this is the first place where suddenly you have group projects, where you have to figure out yes. hierarchies in teams that don't have any hierarchies, mm-hmm. do some roles mm-hmm. and responsibilities, meet deadlines, um, distribute work. So it's your first... I would... Anybody who is in university is thinking about um, studying again, this is what I would like to say. Knowledge you can read in a book. Practicing your skill sets, to me, that was the biggest value, Mm -hmm. to develop those soft skills and collaboration. Absolutely. I mean, I couldn't emphasize that enough. I mean, really, you've gone, we've moved away, I think, from the days of, you know, choosing a career, doing one set of learning and that becoming your baseline. We've really moved to lifetime learning. Mm -hmm. You know, we're constantly learning. It's There's no one degree that's going to give you everything you need to know in your life skills because that that just isn't as straightforward as that anymore, you know. No, true. But we've talked about this a lot with some of the other guests that we have on, whether it is more advisable to sort of pick your lane early, specialize, stick with it, right? So aka study the field that you later mm. think that you want to work and other that we know that our careers are in flux constantly. Versus taking the road less traveled. I personally prefer the road less travels because you just get to meet more diverse people. Mm -hmm. You don't just talk to the same brains all the time. But from a sort of, and we talk about recruitment in just a second, but what do you find more appealing when you look at new recruits, um, Mm -hmm. if it is a choice at all? Are you like, ooh, MBA, that's quite glorious, it's fantastic? Or are you more so intrigued by the outliers, people that may have studied um, sort of culture norms in the Middle East. Are you looking for a job, Tom? Hmm? (laughs) (laughs) Or you know, or is it a mixture of both? I just wonder sort of like where does your and it's it's a very it's a very um sensitive and intimate question, but Mm. if you Mm. look at a CV and a recruit, are you saying, Oh, that's interesting? Are you saying, okay, there's definitely the skill because he's got the they have the MBA. Yeah. I think it's you know it's it's a combination of both because really it comes down to the individual. It's difficult when you're looking at CVs because obviously CVs, you know, give you sort of an indicative direction of where somebody's coming from. But I think regardless of if they've studied exactly your industry or not, it showcases someone's ability to push push themselves through, you know, an educational process. And sometimes those outliers bring, you know, very often the outliers bring really interesting things into a business and different way of looking um, at projects, at um, problems. And I think that's really useful, Um, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And let's go a little bit more into recruitment for a second, Mm -hmm. um, which you do at your own company, obviously, but uh, maybe for other clients as well. Um, Go a bit more granular, what makes mm. an application stand out in your eyes? If you get that CV on your desk, what's mm. going to stand out? 
Before the interview, right? Before the interview, exactly. Before the interview, I think it's really about people going back to basics. And I know that might sound really silly, but it is, you know, go back to basics. Make sure that your CV is clear, that your work history is relevant. Um, you know, adapt your CV to the role that you're applying mm-hmm. for. Um, and also highlight life experience. Life experience, if you can, and I know it's more difficult, more difficult to convey it on paper than in person. But, you know, that is really, really interesting for businesses because um, we're trying to understand the whole person. Mm-hmm. You know, the new ways of recruiting um, are looking at the individual as a whole, adding to an organization. And so I think, you know, go back to basics, keep it clear, keep it concise, and keep it relevant. Interesting. So I'm just having a thought. For people that are just sort of emerging on the scene and onto the job market, it can be quite hard to say, this is my job experience. I don't feel mm-hmm. qualified because I'm just starting mm-hmm. out. So how do I get my foot in the door? One great way of doing this is to look at your life experience and distill mm-hmm. and translate those experiences into skills and abilities that could be interesting for that position so have you been the head of the debate club and coached other people on how to debate and verbalize opinions you might be fantastic in advertising or um, media Mm -hmm. right but so what is your perspective on um, placing life experience uh, onto your cv if you've already been in the game for 20 years but you want Mm -hmm. to actually transition and change career because that's when people start to feel awkward, mm-hmm. I think, about mm. writing that, by the way, I'm also, besides just being the work animal, I also love all of these things and I'm quite yes. well read in those topics. Is that something that you would like to see? Oh, I think the more authentic you can be, obviously in person and in how you present yourself to a business, the better. Mm. Because that means that, you know, that's who you are and when people then meet you, that's reinforced through the conversations you have or the interview you have. And I think, you know, that marries up the two quite nicely. Whereas sometimes when you read a CV that might come across as extremely confident, all these things, and then you meet the individual who's super timid, doesn't, you know, all those yeah. things, there's a kind of contradiction <laughs> yeah. in terms. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, if you like me a little bit bubbly, a little bit over the top, you kind of, you want, you want to kind of convey a little bit of your personality, yeah, um, you know, so that when they meet the individual, it makes sense. You're going, okay, actually, I get that. Mm-hmm. Oh, that that's great. I really love that. <laughs> I know, it's an amazing piece of advice. Uh, exactly. I want to go a little bit deeper into psychology of hiring, though, as a recruiter mm. or a manager, um, so the audience can know what they're going into. We've spoken about it quite a lot on our podcast with our recruiters, but I'd love to hear your perspective, how you pre- prep for those interviews, um, what's your strategy and how to vet the candidate. candidate. <laughs> can't speak. <laughs> I know. Well, I mean, normally people can't speak coming into an interview. I know the total Be fear. scary, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I think for me, the in terms of the interviewer, my prep is always, first of all, understanding really clearly what the role is that I'm looking to fill um, or the client is looking to fill, understanding their culture, who they're going to be working with, all those facets, because it's a, it's a really rounded piece. It's not literally only the matrix of skill sets that you're looking for when somebody comes into uh, into the business. Of course, you're looking for them to be able to actually do the role, but they you're looking for them to add to your culture. You're looking for them to bring skills to the business. So, you know, knowing what those are in advance 
I normally sort of jot them down going, okay, these are sort of the key attributes or key qualities. And then, you know, um, then hoping that that individual brings that to the table. Um, but it, it can be really tricky, you know. I mean, it, it is, everyone has a different approach. I know that many recruiters probably follow matrixes and skill sets. Mm. I'm much more go by my gut kind of person. Mm. I'm a very, I'm, you know, I, I have, I like the energy of mm-hmm. people, you know, and so physically meeting them or whether it's over Zoom, I have to see someone, you know, I have to be able to interact. And that's where I sort of get my feeling as to how they'll be able to do. We are approaching a very devastating truth at mm. at, at um, a breakneck pace here, I think, because we there's if you if you start to Google how to succeed at the interview, how to do your CV, how to do all of these things, there's all these sites, all these people giving you information mm. about this is the formula to hack the matrix and sort of like hack your way into a job. Mm. It doesn't work it doesn't mm-hmm. work and i think there are general guidelines that you can follow and i will ask you for a bit more um insight into that um next but on the back to the cv bit for example larger organizations will use something that's called an applicant tracking system right so that mm-hmm. organizes all of the applications into different categories based on skills and whatnot you need to write your cv structurally in a way that mm-hmm. this ai can deal with it and understands you and sees you but other than that it's about you expressing who you are and that you actually are fit for the role with whatever means you need so i think we should all stop obsessing about this one formulaic approach mm-hmm. read the job spec look at the company, look at yourself. And if there's a good match, then just point that out. Do that. Mm. However, I've been in many interviews in my time, most of which Mm -hmm. are not unsuccessful because, you know, this is what interviews are. It's a numbers game. (laughs) Um, There are certain ways in which you should prepare, present your ideas, present yourself, Mm -hmm. such as um, reflect the company mission and vision and also the job Mm -hmm. spec back in your own words. Don't recite. Know what you're talking about. Don't copy paste. Mm -hmm. Know why you're there. So Mm -hmm. for you, Nix, what are some of the must-have prep activities you notice immediately if they're not performed by a candidate before they show Mm. up at your desk that lead you to say, thank you for coming, but it's not you. (laughs) Um, I think, you know, again, it goes down to basics. I think the way you present yourself um, is really important, you know, because obviously the visual cues that you pick up from somebody coming into a room is, it, again, is just part of, you know, mm. they always talk about this unconscious bias, but understanding the type of corporation or business you're going into, um, understanding their culture, as you said, not reciting it back, but most importantly, understanding the role and then being able to to convey your authentic self in the meeting, you know, try and be, and it's difficult to, for candidates. And, and I've been in those situations myself, like you, Tom, where, you know, you're trying to convey who you are, but, you know, you could be nervous. It, it could be really formal. Um, so it, it can be challenging, but I think practicing in advance um, before you go into an interview with friends, with family, really getting yourself geared up so that by the time the interview happens, the questions come across more, your answers come across more naturally, Mm. you know, and I think in that there's, you know, a bit of humor, try and connect with people on a personal level outside of the standard questions. And, you know, you talk about recruiters walking up the stairs saying, how did you get in today? How was, you know, all the soft (laughs) chit chat that happens, but actually, Try and just be yourself, I think. Um, and I think that 
is always a positive. You know, even if you're not the right fit for them, you know, people say, you know, you often will hear candidates getting feedback going, we really enjoyed interviewing you today. Mm. Unfortunately, da, 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 da. So they mm. weren't successful, but they really, you know, and they'll stay at the forefront of that recruiter's mind because they were genuinely an enjoyable candidate mm. to interview. Yeah, you're not and trying I think to that's, fit. Sorry, Nick, go on. No, you're not trying to fit. You're mm. right. In You know, and I think sometimes I've seen many friends and colleagues who've interviewed, especially at big corporations where they've gone for an initial interview, have not been successful mm. due to potentially the skill set, but were really well received and enjoyed being interviewed and have then subsequently, many months later, been put forward for two or three mm. different roles that were potentially much more relevant to their skill set. Mm-hmm. I love that. That's great. Like you said, like not trying to fit into Mm. it, like be yourself, because then at the end of the day, you might get in trying to squeeze yourself in, but then you won't (laughs) be happy. They won't be happy and it will come to an end pretty quickly, I'm sure. Yeah. It's just it is a very complicated space to operate Mm -hmm. in. Right. Because I was Mm -hmm. I was just tempted to say "Mm." so you can you can get an idea of what the company and the culture is about based on the questions that you receive. So if you are an if you are somebody that likes to have these more culturally relevant interviews where it's about experiencing um, the recruiter, the hiring manager and you as a person as well to see if the fit is there versus interviews where it's what are your strengths and weaknesses? Mm -hmm. What kind of successes did you have in the past two years? What kind of big failures did you have in the past (laughs) years? What have you learned? How do you manage? We've all been in those interviews. Right. But, you know, the interview is not necessarily, that is one team that preps these interviews, Mm. that is in larger organizations. So it's not always indicative of what life um, in the company is going to be like. So it's a tricky topic and one that we shall continue to explore moving Mm -hmm. forward. But with Nick, while we still have you on the call, um, we've talked a bit about what it takes to get into agencies. But let's also talk Mm. a bit about what it's like being in it yes what is it really like nick (laughs) so many myths fantasies but seriously give us a good the bad the gorgeous and the ugly and Mm. of course what do you say is the winning is the winning key or the winning what's the word i can't think of the right word now (laughs) formula in a client serving Mm. job especially at fmi yeah, I mean, I think the the wonderful world of agency is that the good is that it's fun, it's fast paced, it's never dull. Um, the gorgeous part is the people, the friendships. Um, but the bad is that it's really challenging. <laughs> you know, you can have tra- challenging projects, challenging clients. And the ugly is that it's a relentless pace. It's a relentless mm. space to operate in. And you need to know all of that in order to when you step into the agency world. And that's why I think they say it's a little bit, you know, sink or swim, because it's all those elements. It's, it's, it's lovely, but it's terrible. It's hard, but it's wonderful. It's, you know, (laughs) it's, it's the, the contradiction of everything. And it's at a fast pace. And I think, you know, in order to, to be successful in our world, or the people that have been exceptionally successful are people who can adapt their style, who are good with relationships, um, and I think that's essentially, you know, adapting yourself to the different environments of different people is important because otherwise, you know, the same si- same solution, same size doesn't fit all. You know, you've got to be flexible. You've got mm. to be adaptable. And some people aren't comfortable with that constant level of change. Mm-hmm. I would imagine it's quite addictive. You know, it's almost a bit like, like you, Nick, you know, being, being on the fever pitch of the hockey field. Yeah. It's hard work. You're sweating. Yeah, but... up and down, up and down. Mm. but you also don't want to stop no it's a yeah <laughs> just it listen a, yeah sorry go on next 
No, no, it is. It's that kind of world where, you know, you play hard, but the rewards are high, but the lows are low and the highs are high. You know, it's but you've got to take all the baby steps and baby wins as well. You know, mm. so it's not all the it's not all pure success or pure failure. It's sometimes a lot of in between. Sounds a bit like starting your own business. The highs it are does. really <laughs> high, but the lows five minutes later are also quite devastating. <laughs> so interesting. But um, in our prep call, you mentioned that FMI actually does things a little differently. You know, agencies mm. can be this fast-paced shark tank that are sink or swim, climb the ladder or like be ejected. But you place great value on collaboration and longevity mm. of teams and harmony. So how do you manage your shop? that way and you know stay competitive all this uh, at the same time so what is the secret sauce to fmi really and its ways of working yeah i think the whether it's a secret or not i think it's one of the the things that you know i've always valued loyalty is something that i've always val valued in any in any relationship and i think when we've started and built the team up for us we've been very lucky because we've have got amazing people around us but you know they've been very loyal they've stayed with us and we've we remain competitive because we're entrepreneurial we challenge ourselves we put new services in all the time we're constantly changing and in that chaos of change and constant movement it allows people to grow and change and they constantly having to move you know, learn a new skill set, potentially learn new um, new elements. And that keeps people interested in the business, I think. And I think, you know, with that constant role changing, whether that's internal moves um, or whether it has been external and they've joined clients, et cetera, there's growth. And I think growth and growth is always a key thing that people are looking for in their career. They're looking to constantly learn. And I think we create that type of environment by the very nature of the fact that it is so fast paced and things are constantly changing, you know, so um, is surrounding ourselves with good people and people who are much more skilled than I am um, is, <laughs> which is absolutely the truth, um, is being, I think, some of our secret souls, definitely. Uh, that's the best thing I did as well before was um, to To, to develop my career as, as a hockey player I went to Germany to play because they were the best at the time mm. I think that's a great piece of advice and it's it's scary for some people because they don't want to be outdone or especially managers mm. and leaders they, they don't often want to have better people around them right but it's definitely the best thing to do and it develops you all the time so love that piece of advice nick um mm. we read it everywhere these days and we did speak about it already earlier on you won't change your job four times you'll actually change your career probably mm. in your lifetime but you nick you've risen to the top of fmi with 15 years behind you 15 mm. years right is that right uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow uh, unbelievable and this is a great moment to talk about entrepreneurs um mm. and if your job doesn't fit you anymore your manager isn't right for you you don't have the right to leave sinking ship how do you think about intra-company that moves diversity and the diversity that that can bring to the company you kind of spoken about it, a little bit about it just now but mm. can we go a little bit deeper into that Yeah, I mean, I, I, I've faced that challenge myself. And I think lots of individuals that I've spoken to have faced that. It, it's really about facing the challenge and going, not waiting for someone to create a space for you. And I know sometimes, you know, people might say, well, you know, I'm not in charge of my own destiny. It's a big corporate, et cetera, et cetera. You know, I think you have, I definitely believe in creating your own path. 
um, controlling the elements that you can control, constantly looking for opportunities. And opportunities don't always come in the guise that you imagine. More often than not, they come in the form of really hard work, sacrifices, you know, slightly different direction to what you were initially going to go in. But in all of that lies the opportunity. And I think, you know, what I would really say in my career is that adaptation, that ability to carve out a niche, learn a new skill set, create even a department that didn't exist before on the premise of, Mm -hmm. you know, showcasing ability and initiative by delving into those opportunities. And it might not be, you know, it's not going to come on a silver platter. You have to create them. Um, And I think sometimes in this day and age, I I hear often about individuals saying, you know, well, I'd like to to move to this role and waiting for this perfect path to be laid Mm -hmm. out for them to get there. But life isn't like that. (laughs) It's not perfect. It's messy. It's very, you know, it's messy. So you have you've got to actually get stuck in. Um, And that can be hard. I know that it can be hard for people to do that. But taking the first step is often the hardest. Once you start going, you find it quite much easier, let's say. Yeah, just the thought came to my head there. It's finding a solution for the business as well. Like, Mm. you know, there's always things that you might give out about or you might think, as you said, oh, that would be a great job. But find a solution for the company, build a business case, bring it to them Mm. and go, hey, I think I fit here. I think you need this and give Mm. them a reason why. And there's, you know, you have to ask. If you don't ask, you don't get half the time either, right? This is it. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Who said this to us? I think this was in, was it in February when we had the month with all the rec- recruiters? This, if you haven't heard no enough recently, you probably haven't been asking for enough things. Yeah, <laughs> it was recruiters. Yeah. I think it's a wonderful piece. To yeah, it was that in the actual interview mm. stage or the the um, the part where you're like trying to negotiate. Mm. And if you don't ask... I know, no, but it. even in the business, even when you're even when you're in the business, we also spoke True. with them about self promotion for quite True. a bit, right? So mm. I would like more responsibility. Can I hire an intern? Mm-hmm. Can I start stretching um, my my managerial muscle? Um, you know, so just ask the questions. But I will be very devious now because you have the title <laughs> mm. of um, you know um, I think it was a Bachelor's of Honors in Industrial Psychology. I'll mm-hmm. I'll cross reference that later. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> the tricky bit about all this entrepreneurial spiel can be this feeling of being stuck, you know, mm-hmm. stuck in a job that you start hating, that is somehow mm-hmm. starting to eat you up. It can feel very hopeless and um, yeah. disabling if it goes on for too long and you lose confidence yes. in yourself. And so it's, you know, it feels like HR doesn't seem to care. Your manager blocks your career path. It feels like nobody is around to help mm. you. So let's try and get practical and real in a scenario like this. Mm. What advice do you have for people in this situation? Um, how can they reclaim their power on their own, make themselves mm. visible by themselves and open doors without any help from the people that seemingly have abandoned them? Mm. Um, it's a really good question. And it is one that people face that challenge more often than not, I think, mm. especially in actually being honest about facing it. Um, the first thing is you've got to identify the core issue. You have to be self-reflective on your contribution to the situation you find yourself in. And that is sometimes hard. That level of acceptance of your involvement as to why you are where you are mm. um, is hard for people to do, for all of us to do. But I think when you do that, you can start to identify the core issue, how you've contributed, but also most importantly, where the opportunity and the solution for growth comes from. 
through that challenge. And once you know that, you can actually formulate a plan to help yourself get through those challenges, you know. And as you mentioned, whether you think it's somebody blocking a manager blocking you or no visibility, once you delve into that, you have to ask yourself the question, why is that the case? How am I perceived? How do I contribute to the situation? And then, you know, because you're only in control of yourself, you're not in control of Mm. anything outside of that. And I think that's quite um, empowering because once you know what you can do, you can actually put that ball in motion. And that normally changes your perspective. And also, I think it allows you to start looking outside of the the immediate micro space and going, okay, let's actually get external advice. I know now these are my challenges. How can I overcome them? Who can help me? And you, you start working on a solution and a plan and a program. And even having that is quite, for me, I think, I feel like I'm back in control. Mm-hmm. It always starts on the inside, hey, which I think mm-hmm. is... Um, spectacular piece of advice if you because without that you kind of you also don't have the ability to figure out i'm not in the right space Mm -hmm. i'm in the right place for my personality my skill set and that's why i'm not being seen what it also allows you to do is what nikki said earlier is to formulate a business plan maybe look in the departments and teams that work in your not immediate environment but in the on the same floor say Mm -hmm. for example and start to have those coffees i believe in the power of the coffee corner i wish we could still Mm. have coffee corner but (laughs) i know (laughs) i believe in the power of the coffee corner to be the great maker or breaker of careers it's hard to do obviously but start to talk to people not to complain but to start to add value to other teams Mm. work and you can do that on your own time and I think that's yeah. a wonderful piece of advice, just to get like very subtle feeders mm-hmm. out there. It's almost like you're placing micro interviews with everybody nonstop. Mm-hmm. So that, like you said earlier, Nick, that they will remember you for the future. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And that kind of, it's a brilliant segue into mentorship, actually, because you've had a few points there, Nick, that people would definitely love to hear if you were a mentor yourself. But mm-hmm. I wanted to know a little bit more about you and your career. Did you have a mentor Uh, or mentors throughout your Mm -hmm. career and why did you choose them and how did you know they were right for you? Mm. I'm a firm believer in having multiple and whether they're called mentors or people that you go to for support, um, I think both in your personal life and in your work life, you know, in totality, because I think at different phases of your career, you need different things. And What I found was at different phases, I might have needed more support in terms of business development or in networking or in understanding a corporate structure. And at those points, I, you know, found people who were in those worlds, who understood how it worked and gave me sort of a opened the window into that world so that I could understand it. Mm. And that was so beneficial because I didn't need to have all the experience. I could actually, through osmosis and like a sponge, (laughs) go, great, these are all the things that, you know, you learned and um, these are the mistakes you made and try and not make those ones. And I think, you know, different phases in your life, you need that um, because it really gives you um, an external perspective uh, in a safe environment you know, where you can actually just use that information for your own growth and your own development. So quick follow up to this one, would you say 
you can find mentors both inside and outside of your place yes. of work. How do you think about that? And for which situation or need, if you're like, oh, I need somebody to help me, would you say you should go look for one or the other? Mm. I think you can get mentors both internally in an organization and externally. And I think you should do both depending on, on the situation you're looking, you know, the situation you find yourself in. Um, the most important thing I could say with that is tying back to what I said originally with Nikki is, you know, surround yourself with people who are 10 times better than you, you know, learn from the best. Um, and I, you know, honestly, our organization is filled with people who are much more skilled than I am. Um, and I, that that is true. And I've, you know, spent a huge amount of time with people who, who've run amazingly successful businesses. And, you know, if you can, if my whole philosophy in life is if you can learn a tiny little nugget um, from someone, you know, I sort of add that to my little pot and go, okay, great. You know, that, that's what I've got. And, um, I, and if I can give someone a little golden nugget, I feel like I'm giving them something that they can use. And I think, you know, you have to match them. You've got to try and match yourself to the type of personality. But honestly, in what I've learned is when I started looking for mentors and people, I thought, oh, my God, they're never going to say yes. I mean, they're never going to, you know, I had all these, you know, concerns. And I, the op it was exactly the opposite. People were so welcoming, so, you know, um, willing to give their time. Um, which was such a surprise, you know, mm -hmm. and you kind of go, oh, my God, I hope I'm not wasting the time. What would I ask? Them? You know, <laughs> you have all these sort of confidence issues, but actually you, you walk away from those sessions going, oh, my goodness, this is so insightful. Actually, you know, this is how I could do things differently. It's and I think it, sorry. sorry no, I was Nick. just going to say it's worth the ask then, right? Because like you said, like it's scary to ask sometimes, but it's What's the scary. worst they're going to say is no, I don't want to no. get, but then if they do say yes, you get all these amazing things. Sorry, Nick's completely mm -hmm. interrupted you. No, no. And it's, it, you know, all I was going to say is that, you know, I've become a firm um, believer and, you know, you have to become, you know, or, or Mahatma Gandhi's favorite saying, become the change you wish to see. And mm. that is the truth. You know, you can't sit there complaining, wanting to be better, wanting to be different, wanting to create things and not wanting to take those first steps and make that change yourself. So I think mentors are a wonderful opportunity for individuals in their career to gain insight um, and to grow. It's incredible end to that part of the of the podcast. Thank you so much, Nick. You've given us so much to talk about, to talk about, to think well, about, in fact, well, and talk about, and to talk about <laughs> on um, on the Instagram channel, possibly. So, indeed, yes. As promised at the beginning, Nick, mm -hmm. what are the top three tips for anybody who would like to mm -hmm. get into this agency world that they could start implementing tomorrow just to get themselves ready for a career mm. in that space? I think the most important thing for me is that, you know, no job is too menial or too basic. So, you know, for me, it is about if you want to be in an agency world, if you want to learn how it operates, get into the field, get into retail, start working with customers, even spend time in the retail space, get to understand that environment, because learning from the ground up is really, really beneficial. So that would be the first thing I would say is is just get out there and do that. Um, and if you want to do, whether that's doing an internship or, you know, just get that experience, get out there, it'll stand to you. Um, the second thing is I would say that 
relationships are absolutely key. So get better at building relationships and, you know, um, really look at your personality, how you interact with people, how you communicate. Relationships are key in, in our world. So if you can do that. And my final one is really you have to build up your resilience and a little bit like Nikki in her hockey days or any great athlete is you've got to be able to have that bounce back ability. You've got to get used to getting knocked down, but dusting yourself or, uh, you know, off getting back up and going again. And so whether they're going for that perfect role, whether they get a million no's, whether they, you know, go to interviews, keep going because, and but most importantly, learning from what you've just experienced. That resilience and bounce back ability is a hard thing to uh, sort of skill to create within in your personality, but it really stands to you in this kind of environment. Oh, they're super, superb tips. Thank you so much, Nick, for the whole episode, for all the wisdom throughout and especially those tips at the end. Um, it's been a pleasure having you on the show and uh, we hope you enjoyed it too. Oh, I loved it. You guys are like tonic for the soul. It's brilliant. Thank <laughs> oh, you so thanks, much. Nick. <laughs> So are you. Thank you. I will still maintain um, to believe and spread the news that you are the most talented person working at FMI. For anybody still <laughs> with us um, at this episode next week on the show, we have got a sensational creative director, um, Jules Howell from Proximity. We tried to interview him, I must honestly confess, but it just became delicious and wonderful story time. He is opening his little box of <laughs> a lifetime experience in agencies, this time advertising agencies. What is it like? What are some of the wicked fun that you can have? Why is he still in love um, with the space? And whom does he see thrive in it, uh, either as a career starter or somebody seeking to create transitions? So um, do get a, give it a listen. Hop over to um, Instagram if you have it. Go hire a podcast. We share some behind the scenes, um, some of the things that make us take how we're having fun with the show all the time. So um, as always, gentlewomen, gentlemen, and anybody in between, let's, let's go, go get, get it. it.